He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? I agree. Only thing is, like, it's kind of tough to ask Christian to, like, just step in for just that moment. I'm um, for a minimum contract. Like, what is he expecting here? Oh, no, I, I agree. But, like, yeah. I'm just talking about, like, just kind of staying focused and then, hey, like, we might need you to start here, mm-hmm. even though you haven't been in the rotation. Like, that's that's tough for anybody, I think. But I, I also, though, like, as it pertains to Hayes, he really surprised me with with, like, his finishing around the basket like he had a obviously everybody's gonna look at him and say like well yeah he can jump 40 inches off the ground and he's already seven feet tall so it's gonna look easy but he had a he had a finish today where he caught the ball coming across the key and had to like really rotate his shoulders this way and finish going you know finish with his right hand on the left side of the basket and you know properly use the spin all those things and it made me go like, wow, because I only think of him as a dunker. Mm-hmm. And I only think of him as like a right side of the basket type of player. If he mm-hmm. is on the left side of the basket, Pass it you got to hope he dunks it, <laughs> you know? Um, so like that really surprised me. The defense, like the defense is going to come and go because I, I I do think he's he has a lot of JaVale in him and that like he is, even though he'd be better positioned to limit like how high he jumps once so that he can make a second yeah, jump yeah, yeah. if need be. He's just like, and I, I, I can't say I blame him. If I could jump 40 inches in the air, yeah, <laughs> I would just like everything <laughs> that like, you know, give me confidence still with that is one that he's 23 years old and that he just needs to still learn how to play defense. And I don't think he's, yeah. he's way too young for me to say that he's never going to get it, especially center, yeah. right? Like it's so hard to play center in the NBA. And he was playing a lot of power forward in New Orleans because he was playing next to Valentinus at times. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think there's, you know, there's definitely an opportunity for him to grow into that. And then secondly, this was the same thing with JaVale. Just, he takes up so much space that yeah. that in itself is a deterrent, right? Like we've had these flimsier, smaller backup centers in recent years. Like <laughs> yeah. poor seven-foot Wenyan Gabriel who never quite lived <laughs> up to that height, about? right? <laughs> Woods told me he grew this off season. Like Wenyan, no matter how hard he tries, is just not going to pose the same deterrent yeah. at the rim as Jackson Hayes. And he just, that's, that's why you can't teach size, right? Like that's why it's so exciting to have two seven footers on the court because they're just naturally able to do more things. And that's part of the reason why I love JaVale is like, he, he just is like a mammoth inside yeah. and it matters. So I think Jackson Hayes is going to benefit from that too. It, it's funny it, at times tonight i thought like man i thought jackson would look bigger but then you look across like the 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 lineup that's out there and it's six eight torian prince and it's six seven six eight rui hachimura and it's you know at times he's out there with christian wood who's also seven foot tall and i'm like man if hayes was on last year's team he, like he, he would have been stepping over people it would have been on like his way the, to the shower like the lilliputians thing right like this giant center <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he's like the trees from lord of the rings yeah. that like 
Patrick Beverly like rides in on every game, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, and and you know, as far as Lakers talk, I, I, I kind of wanted to just kind of wrap on. I really like how much sense this team makes. It looks like an NBA team, mm-hmm. which means that like their starting point is championship contender mm-hmm. and will. I would imagine improve from that point. Now, everybody, every other contender around them likely is probably going to improve too. And they're going to have to keep pace, if not increase their pace to catch back up to pace in order to catch back up to like Denver mm-hmm. or Milwaukee or that other team. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I, <laughs> I but, that but, the Suns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm still not, it's so funny. I'm like, I've, I've said all summer. I've not... had a very hard time guarding Devin Booker, which is why I'm, perpetually yeah. afraid of the funds. Well, like I've said all off season that I like, I'm not, I'm not as in on Phoenix as other people mm-hmm. are. And they dropped 46 points in their first quarter together. Season, man. I, was like, I was watching. I was like, Oh, that's why everybody's <laughs> that far in on it. Jumpers, though. Like, yeah. But I think they're, they're always going to like, they're yeah, just, they're, they're, they're just really good. Yeah. Yeah. Really good offensive players. Um, but yeah, I, I just it's it's so refreshing to go into the season and not have anything that I'm freaking out about. There are things that need to be addressed on this team. Their defense is going to like make me worry in close games, especially against good teams late. But it is just so nice to to tune in tonight. And even I told Jen, Jen hates the Lakers, I think, at this point because of my career. But like I told her. Um, and also partially because like throughout almost the entirety of my career, it has not made very much sense. Like it, it, like there have been, I think there have been more seasons that I've, I've gotten ready for that heading into it. I was like, all right, here we go. You know? Um, and, and this year though, I told Jen, I was like, no, this team's going to be really fun. There was like a, there was like a kind of slower transition play where Delo set a back screen that, let uh Rui catch a lob from LeBron and and dunk that in and and I found myself like kind of like whoa <laughs> look at this this, this is, is great cool. this yeah is cool. and and I just yeah it, you know you've you've been doing this about as long as I have too um it has to just be like super like I, from my perspective this is great where, where where are you at you're you're like one of the few people who at times can be more pessimistic than I am, but like, where, where, where are you at with this team? I really hate that. I have to agree with that, Anthony, that I can be more pessimistic than you. (laughs) I'm like looking for people to bring onto the show to like do the opposite. Like talk me onto a ledge, right? Like like in in past years, it's like, I'm really happy. You know, obviously LeBron is in year 21. I, I never thought we'd get here. Frankly, I thought he would have retired by now. Yeah. The fact that he hasn't and the fact that he's throwing down these windmill dunks in practice that like caused Jackson Hayes to lose focus on the interview that's happening in front of him. Like yeah. I've watched that video so many times. LeBron's dunk is not even in it. I am enamored by Jackson's reaction to the dunk. I, I DM'd Harrison when I saw that. I was like, I think that's probably why Jackson Hayes hasn't been very good defensively. That like he gets <laughs> like it's like odd by people dunking. <laughs> Like, I, he needs to rotate so, over. He's like, wow, you see that guy fly? It was adorable. I was like, yeah, it's <laughs> nice to just appreciate LeBron sometimes, you know? <laughs> I enjoy appreciating LeBron. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I never thought we'd get here with LeBron. So I, I'm kind of just in the moment where I'm so excited that LeBron James is still playing at a level that is befitting of LeBron James, because obviously, yeah. you know, we watched the end of Kobe's career. It was not Kobe anymore, you know? Yeah. And it's cool that he gets to be that player and that we have put him in a situation that is going to optimize him. Right. Cause yeah. we talk all the time about the Lakers have this, reputation for taking care of their stars and they've not taken care of their stars the last couple years not with what they've asked them to do no and i think this is a step back in that direction you know yeah and I, it's good for the lakers brand which is a weird thing to say <laughs> but i think it's important because it's a big part of what the lakers are and i'm just i'm just happy like i i love watching austin austin had a great summer you know i think Rui was so much fun to watch last year i'm excited for whenever we get to the playoffs for Gabe Vincent, even if the regular season might be a bit of a slog to get there. <laughs> like, yeah, there's just, there's so many players that I legitimately like watching on this team, which I mean, last year at this time I was like scraping by, I have wrote so many stories about Matt Ryan last year. So many. <laughs> <laughs> God bless him. He had a very fun story to get to the Lakers, but it was inordinate relative to his production on the court. Yeah. And that was just the situation we were in, right? It wasn't wasn't a lot to like. And that could not be further from the truth right now. Yep. All right. Before we get you out of here, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, talk to you about some WNBA. Um, you don't have to, Anthony. I just... No, I... I so I do have a couple questions. Please. Um, the MVP voting was so insanely close. Wow. Yeah, that like I was I was struck by the reaction to and now look, I am taking in the WNBA, especially like as I'm preparing for the NBA season okay. secondhand by way of like Twitter reactions from people who I know who cover it and stuff and follow it more closely than I do. But the um, the WNBA's MVP voting was historically close. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that you and I have spoken about is how like how desperately they need to expand, which they are going to um as as a team is going to uh the bay yeah, yeah, yeah. um and and it was just like there is so much talent at the very top that's before we see caitlin clark get there and that's before mm -hmm. we see uh the player from lsu whose name angel reese yeah uh and and so like I, I can't think of any better place that the, the WNBA could possibly be where you have such star power at the very, very top of it, an influx of even more star power at the very, very top of the sport, and 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 a kind of a league-wide identity in that, like, I think everybody, I, you know, you and I were talking about what to name uh, the WNBA's, like, or the, the Athletics Women's Basketball Pod, right? And, and I, 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 the idea that I kind of had was, like, something along the lines of like the we're here pod, right? Like the WNBA is a very like, different corporate direction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, um, it, it's, it's been so cool to watch this league just kind of like there was, there was a crack in the door and they were just like, we're here, everybody. Like, look at us. We are here. And I think there's still like steps to take forward here, but I, I, I don't think that, anything more emphatically summarizes that sentiment than a WNBA MVP vote that obviously was polarizing because of how close it was. Mm -hmm. um, 
But I think that really hammers home the more important point than like whoever won it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, it was it was bound to be just a a shit show of a reaction, no matter who won, because there yeah. are such devoted fans of each of those three candidates. And you know, I I sort of likened it to the uh, 2017 NBA MVP race, where you have your Russell Westbrook, who probably has the most value to his team, but his team is not as good as the other teams. But he's also putting up these enormous statistical lines. And has the narrative of everybody left, I'm still here, and our team is still, you know, going to make some noise. And that was, I think, the Alyssa Thomas case, where she set a WNBA record for triple doubles. She's in the Connecticut Sun team, which is kind of like the the lost stepchild compared to the other two super teams because they lost their starting center, they lost their head coach, they lost their starting point guard, and yet she's again still here. And then you have the kind of like who everyone regards as the best player on the best team in Asia Wilson. But then you also have who I think more people regard as the best player overall in Brianna Stewart. And that was sort of like the James Harden, Kawhi Leonard situation in 2017. And so I thought Alyssa Thomas was going to win because, I mean, well, Russell Westbrook won. And also just based on the people that I had spoken to who had votes, there's something very compelling about, you know, what she had done individually. And if you think about the word valuable, her the other two candidates all play on teams with multiple Hall of Famers. Like it's going yeah. to happen. We're all going to make the Hall of Fame. Whereas Alyssa Thomas had a lot less help. And if you take that one person off, what does that team become? I think is a very popular narrative for how you frame MVP. Yep. And then she ended up with the most first place votes and didn't win, which is crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't, it's the second time that's happened in WMA history. I don't know that it's ever happened in NBA history. I personally can't remember, but just like the balance of the votes was wild. Like if one person who had voted Brianna Stewart first place ended up voting Asia Wilson first place and like their votes flopped so that Stewie was third on that ballot and Asia was first. All of a sudden the third place winner is like now the first place winner for MVP, like just one person. <laughs> and that like, that could have been a typo. Like I went back yeah. and checked my ballot to make sure that like, this was the order that I wanted to submit. But it's, uh, I think it's just good for conversation, you know, to have uh, a race like that where you have two generational talents who had their best years ever in the same year and they're playing each other in the finals and the other MVP candidate got to play, you know, the MVP in the semifinals. It's just the matchups worked out so well for the WNBA this year that they got these performances that they were able to pit them against one another. And like, you know, the day that Stewie got MVP, she had to play against Alyssa Thomas. And then Asia yeah. Wilson came up later that day and was like, F all of you. <laughs> Look what I can do. Yeah. Well, that's what we're having now, right? Where where the Aces and the Liberty are playing against each other, right? AJ AJ plays for the Aces. Wilson uh, plays for the Aces, yeah. Yeah, um, and I I really think that like that amount of conversation leading up to a postseason where these players would, especially those two, because those are the two I think most talented players I think in in the W I'd right agree. based off yeah, um, and and you know to have those two players face off against each other in these finals. And also have it be, you know, because like sometimes you'll have teams that seem like they're destined to play against each other, and then it and then it doesn't happen, and, and it winds yeah. up being kind of a positive that like, well, wow, look at this dark horse that came out of nowhere. But I think in this case, it really serves the W to have to have these two teams really like you know match up. And I mm -hmm. wish it was a best of seven and not a best of five. Yeah. Like it, it's just. It's it's the kind of series that like you're gonna get to the end of it and be like, can we have like five more courses? You know, <laughs> um, but this this final series though, 
Um, it's an up and coming market in, in Vegas, an up and coming sports market, which I think really helps. Um, we saw the, the shot in the arm that the, the golden Knights gave to the NHL. I think the aces are going to do that for the WNBA. And then you have this classic basketball market in New York. Um, finally, New York has something to like celebrate market in New York. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like they can actually like. Yeah. They can actually say that the, they're they're like kind of sort of the mecca in in some way, shape, or form, which they haven't been for my entire lifetime. But <laughs> but like yeah, I I the, this matchup though, um, I don't you know whoever comes out on top is you know going to win one of those like giant. Uh, Bill Simmons wrote the column right where he said that like you know NBA it, it, have it, like it, a certain pound associated with it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Whoever wins this finals is going to like have to like have five people carry the trophy out, like because yeah. <laughs> it's going to be that kind of you know classic a matchup. And and yeah, like the, it, it's it's is it possible for this to to live up to the hype? So what's interesting is these two teams played each other five times entering the final six if you count their preseason matchup and the margin of victory was in those six games was about 19 points only one of them was a single digit game only one and even then that Uh was kind of like a fake comeback you know where the aces were down for most of it sort of Ooh, i know those we know those anyone who's listening to this show knows what i'm talking about (laughs) yeah and so you know they're basically the conversation coming into game one was like no of course this is going to be a close game like how could it not be a close game we've each had a week off like two best teams in the league and then again, 17-point game 17 <laughs> in game <points>. one. <laughs> so closer than 19, but, you know, not what yeah. you're hoping for. So I, I would love for this to be a classic matchup. I'm just worried that the body of evidence suggests that one team is going to go on a run in the third quarter and the other one's not going to figure out a way to come back because that's what's happened four times in a row. Yeah. And I just I just want one one close game to really, really get us back into it. But um, it just it hasn't been there yet. Why? Why do you think those swings are there? Because I know in the NBA, uh, it's because of the amount of threes that we yep, see. Right, exactly you see it. these yeah. insane <laughs> runs. You'd think like the amount of threes would allow you to come back in too, but yeah, in these cases, it's just been like one team shoots over forty percent from three, blows it open, and then the <laughs> other one is just struggling to find a way back because they're just way too good offensively. Like they just yeah. can't get enough stops to get back into it. Well. I'm hoping that, you know, again, this is where I, I wish it was a seven game series because like, mm-hmm. you know, famously at magic just tweeted to the Dodgers about this earlier yesterday where he was like, yeah, the Dodgers uh, or the Lakers when he was on there had the Memorial day massacre and then Lost came back and won that series. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, but that kind of thing can kind of happen over the course of a seven game series. You have those, those couple of games where you feel each other out. And then by the time you get to games five, six, and seven, they are mm-hmm. just knockdown drag outs with yeah. way lower scoring or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think a five game series lends itself to that, but you know, I, I, the thing that you and I always talk about, I think more than almost anything, when we talk about the WNBA and women's basketball, is just like the insane growth. And, you know, I just watched, uh, whichever the latest episode of Wrexham was that aired last week. And they were talking about women's soccer and, 
and I was telling Jen how, and, and, you know, Ryan Reynolds and the other guy, <laughs> Rob McElhaney. Um, no, I know. I know. He just like goes by the other guy, yeah. but, but, um, but they were talking about how like they, um, see this as like, not just an ethical thing that like women's sports should have somewhat even footing or, 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 you know, the goal is to have even footing with men's sports, but that it's also like a good business proclamation. Like it's, it's, it's a good, you know, it's, it's good business ethics mm -hmm. also. And, and, and yeah. just from a straight money-making standpoint and time and time and time again, women's basketball keeps proving that like, if you inject proper resources into this thing, you are going to see a return commensurate mm -hmm. with those, those resources. And I think, uh, I, I don't know from, from my perspective, I'm really hoping that you get to the end of this five game series, you get C Caitlin Clark uh, back into the league. And, and again, God, how did I do it twice? What's the, the girl from LSU? Angel, um, Reese. Angel Reese. Thank you. You get both of them in the league. Uh, I next year, would they be there? They next could year? come next year. They could come the year after it's in their court right now. But like you, you, I just think there's a lot of forward momentum to where hopefully this is like one of, if not the last five game final series here. Because there, there is a desire to watch these two behemoths face off. There is, there is a a a historical founding for. No, actually, these seven game series they pay off. They really, really do. Maybe people don't tune in right away, especially this time of year for game one or whatever. But by the time you get to games five, six, and seven, you're like, yeah, of course, I want to watch this. Mm -hmm. Also, mm -hmm. people are trained this time of year to stay up or to watch whatever competitive sports are on there. So I, I, I do, um, I was happy to say, I have been happy to see the amount of growth that we've seen here from, from, uh, the amount of conversations around this, but, uh, I, I just keep waiting for them to really, you know, go out on a limb and not so conservatively, uh, invest into a league that just, and in a in a in a sport in its entirety that keeps on showing, yeah, we the money is there if you just if yeah. you just if you just invest. Yeah, I think what's cool about the expansion team in the Bay is that, you know, maybe maybe that wasn't like the best place to pick a team. I think picking a team in the South would have made a lot of sense considering Atlanta is basically the only team that exists in like eight or nine states in that area. Yeah. But I think partnering with the right ownership groups is what matters. Because you mm -hmm. look at Vegas, you look at New York. The reason that their fortunes changed was because Mark Davis bought the team in Vegas and just threw a bunch of money at everything he possibly could, right? He made Becky Hammond the highest paid head coach yep. in the game. He built a practice facility just for the Aces. He probably paid some players under the table, but, you know, did all the things that his money could, you know, advance. And you see the same thing in he Brooklyn. He was like very adamant about the traveling situation too, right? Yeah, he hasn't been able to formally change that, but they've done some stuff there. We don't really need to get into all of that. But then Mark, um, then Joe Sai and Clara Sai, you know, buy the the Liberty and mm -hmm. they bring them into Barclays and uh, just completely revamp their player experience with all the money that they have. And they also violated the CBA by flying charter for a full half of a season just because they didn't like the commercial options. Yeah. And now you see like the day that they announced expansion, Maddie Shpia in Phoenix announces a new practice facility for the Phoenix Mercury. You know, you've got the Warriors group who yeah. they don't like losing, like betting on the ego of billionaires is a really good place for the WNBA to be because they yeah. do not like losing to each other. And the more of these guys that you get into the room who are so competitive against one another, 
they're just going to inevitably push the league forward. Like we've seen that with Vegas and New York and frankly, like they just need to get the poor people out of the league. <laughs> There's so many people who are holding it back because yeah. in the name of competitive balance where the players are too good to treat them like second-class citizens, you know, yeah. you just need to invest money in them and you will see the returns. Like you look at the aces, Candace Parker is out with foot surgery, but their top four players have combined to miss one game all season. And you can't tell me that the fact that they have a dedicated performance staff and a dedicated facility has nothing to do with that. I just, I refuse to believe it. Wait, Candace Parker's on the aces? Yeah. Well, didn't just she go season. to Chicago? She did. She was there for two years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What the hell, Candace? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I agree completely. Remember, remember back when, um, Phoenix's training staff, like while Steve Nash was there right was like so far ahead of the curve and and they're like their entire premise was we're going to really focus on players cores and we're going to mm -hmm. build their bodies out from there and and all of that right and and it's always kind of driven me crazy that like not just as you're talking about here but all of sports like the thing that nobody nobody likes to talk about is how like teams are kind of reluctant to really invest in in that in keeping yeah. players healthy um and and it it's just it i don't know for me i prefer owners who look for every you know market inefficiency that they can and they can influx cash into every single one of those market inefficiencies and you're absolutely right like making noticing... breakfast and lunch for your players before and after practice making sure they get like that kind of nutrition for two yeah. of their meals of the day why hasn't every team been doing that <laughs> like that, well, that was groundbreaking for new york to do that especially in, in, in the W where they aren't making the insane salaries exactly. that like other professional athletes are who, where they have their own personal nutritionists and they have their own personal chefs and all of that stuff. Like, especially in the W this should be the kind of thing that, and, and I think to, to the point that you made a second ago in noting how these brand new billionaires are all like spearheading these super competitive teams that like, right, right away, you see the turnarounds. It's because those guys are like, um, Mark Davis, his watch, his family spend countless billions on, yeah. on football. He's like, wait, money doesn't go as to, far there. All I have to spend is what, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, 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 and I really think though, that like it, what's what one of the really exciting things about the WNBA is watching this crazy expansion and seeing how immediate those resources wreak their benefits and 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 yeah I, I i can't wait to continue to watch it grow and i'm and i told you this when i saw you in vegas and i continue to say to say this you're incredibly well positioned and everybody who wants to know about this stuff um have a great resource at their disposal in following sabrina's work at the athletic so yeah it's it's all great sabrina has been really really fun catching up with you i'm looking here and we've been talking for about it for over an hour now um thank you very much is there anything you want to plug before we get you out of here i mean uh WNBA final stuff i'm here in vegas we have two other people from the athletic also here in vegas so anything you want to read about the WNBA finals is at theathletic.com anything you want to hear about the WNBA finals is at the athletic women's basketball show just very easy to find on your podcast app mm -hmm. uh and i can't recommend that enough i've been having just a really good time covering the playoffs and it's such a good matchup and hopefully we get a close game on wednesday <laughs> fingers crossed please just or both teams suck from three points or like 
everybody just let her rip. Either it was way. so exciting. Like the first half was a three point game and it was just back and forth, back and forth. And all of a sudden, you know, the aces reeled off one 11, nothing run. And we were, we were done. Yeah. That's basketball now. All right. Well, thank you very much, Sabrina, for hopping on. Thank you everybody for tuning in the way that we did. And thank you to the Dodgers for absolutely nothing.